Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, I know somebody who's probably craving junk food today. Not that that's junk food. I'm saying craving burgers, craving chips, craving Coca-Cola. And that will be any competitor that took place took part yesterday in the Kathmandu Coast to Coast. I want to talk about that now. I want to congratulate firstly Hamish Elliott on taking out the men's race and Simone Mayer on taking out the women's race. But a friend of mine who was a very good triathlete in his day, third at the Under-23 World Championships, was a long-time member of the New Zealand High Performance Programme, um, did his first one-day event. He ended up finishing 11th overall. His name is Martin Van Barnfeld. He joins us on the programme. Marty, good afternoon. Welcome. Thank you so much. And you know, just listening to that intro, I'm like, you make me hungry talking about these burger <laughs> It's funny though, isn't it, when you do an event like that and then like two hours later, because you've just basically gone on liquid gels or hydration-type high-calorie drinks or sort of sports-type, you know, specific products, it's amazing when you do finish, you just want to go to places like Burger Fuel, don't you? Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It is, yeah, your body eventually just cannot do any more gels or any more electrolytes. Yeah. It just tastes like nothing. Man, you just want to have something real <laughs> yeah. with substance. Uh, hey, Marty, look, congratulations, mate, on, on finishing the longest day. How long has this been on the bucket list? Uh, long time. Yeah, I remember. It's interesting. It's one of those things where growing up, we all, well, especially in the in the triathlon industry, we all knew about um, coast to coast. Um, but it was one of those things where um, so focused on triathlons that I couldn't afford to ever risk being injured. Um, and then when I stopped, um, like you, came a little bit lazy uh, for probably the best part of seven or eight years um, and just didn't want anything to do with the sport as such um, from the competitive nature. But a friend of mine a few years ago sort of re-sparked that um, love for the sport into it. And um, yeah, so it's been great to be able to uh, rekindle that and get the body back into it and also getting back to the pure love of the sport, which is just mm. outside and having a bit of an adventure. Yeah, also really good just from a mental health point of view. Martin, one of the biggest um, barriers, I guess, from people from a triathlon point of view is the swimming side of it. It's a taut sport. It's very technical. No swim here in the coast to coast, but mm. you do have the kayaking section, um, which I, I do just want to get your thoughts on. But before we sort of break down each leg, um, were you pleased yes. with how the day played out for you? Of course. Yeah, look, I mean, um, you, you always have – uh, ambitions and goals and I have to um, the hardest thing for me these days is, is tempering those um, the mind still wants to go out there and think about winning races but the reality is, is when you're now with a family and, and a job it's a little bit different so uh, based off the fitness that I had coming into this event I think I executed I would give myself a 90 out of 100 in terms of execution of um, 
as about as well as I could have with my fitness level, so I'm really happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah look, it, it's an expensive event if you live up on the North Island because like any of these endurance events, you've got to get down, you've got to get onto the course, um, you're dealing with things like kayaks, it's not like you can just sort of drive an hour to get down there. Um, what was the Correct. preparation like? How much time did you actually get to spend on the course in the build-up to this? Yeah, I think that's something which is, yeah, you're right, the closest grade to river for an Aucklander or someone in the North Island is really... Um, the Mohaka, just out of Taupo, um, is a classic one. But again, that's only, you know, we're talking 10 kilometres. Um, so it's nothing compared to what you can do in the South Island when these paddles are 70k long. I think the best thing that you can do, and, and probably what I did in terms of my preparation, is I sort of stagnated three trips down to Christchurch. I did one in November, one in December, and one in January. Um, again, I, I suppose I'm a little bit more committed than some, but as you alluded to, it's in a, it is a commitment. And if you're spending enough already buying a kayak and a bike and, paying for your grade two license and doing all these things you know it, it is a little bit extra cost but you can come do little stints and there are some great companies out there that offer trips down the river um there's canterbury kayaking club there's flow i know river ninja river ninja rentals do it and so all of these outfits you can come down you could just fly down without your boat and then hire a boat and then you could go on the course and you know if you came down over a weekend you could paddle it twice um and that's effectively what I did. Just came down three stints, and each time I paddled it twice, just to sort of learn it and get better at it. Mm. Uh, Marty, um, I mean, you're a very, very good 10k runner in your day. Um, you know, even at a, a national level, I remember watching you compete in New Zealand 10,000 metre championships at Waitakere Stadium. But this trail running, this boulder hopping, it's a very different skill set. How did you find the run? How did you find Goat Pass and what adjustments did you make? What was the toughest part about that? Yeah, 100% agree with you. It is very, very different. And um, I mean, I first had to, I'd say things to myself, but also to everyone else who sort of asked that is, is you got to remember, you still have to actually be fit enough to run 33K. And I think people get concerned about the terrain and, and don't get me wrong, you do want to be able to get over that sort of terrain. However, you also have to understand that you're going to be out there for, you know, the fastest guys are three hours, most people, let's say, four to five hours. So you've got to be fit enough to do it and don't underestimate just having an engine. But in terms of the actual terrain, agreed, um, I, I spend a bit of time, I probably do a run a week around, effectively just follow the ocean where the ocean meets the rocks uh, around the coast of Auckland. And mm. if you do that, whether that's from Takapuna to Devonport or Whangaparaa Peninsula or wherever you do that, that's rocky enough to just practice those, sideways steppings um, and getting that stability and just getting that feel for uneven mm. running because it's not like the road where you just can put one foot in front of the other and, and think just monotonously in this mm. instance you have to be constantly focusing so that's sort of what I produce I mean and then it comes to the race itself I think a lesson I've learned is I probably didn't spend enough time um, just because of family commitments uh, in the gym actually strengthening up some of those muscles and so I actually yesterday um, struggled with the cramp um, in my hamstrings just going up over the top um, I was in a pretty good position but I just felt cramp coming on just from that uneven terrain um, mm. and the constant lunges I think that's the biggest thing is probably I put more lunge specific work into it um, because it is as you said boulder hopping from from place to place and often having to raise your legs significantly to climb up some of these rocks even and it just put a lot of pressure on those mm. hamstrings which meant that I coming off the goat's pass was 
going down a bit like a nana. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we remember the days when Gordon Walker, who coaches Lisa Carrington these days and won the coast a few times, he was up in the French base when we were up there. And I think mm. one of the criticisms as triathletes we always had was just how pedestrian that first bike ride was and someone really needed to take it by the scruff of the neck. And I think the likes of Gordon and Richard Usher changed the game at the elite level. But for someone maybe just trying to finish it or someone you know, wanting to be competitive but knows they're not going to win it. How hard did you ride that first 70 kilometres? Uh, yeah, look, I think for me, thankfully, given the background, it wasn't too bad. I mean, in a polite way, coming from the ITU, it's it's not a hard ride, but in saying that, I'll cop a lot of flat because I also didn't do any work in the group. So <laughs> they... Uh, it's not the <laughs> so best. I, I, hey, Marty, it's not the best athlete. It's the smartest, mate. Yeah, I know, right? Like, and it's funny because I'm, trust me, I'm used to abuse in the ITU where the people are, you know, motivated. But I looked and go, well, look, I'm here to, you know, in a polite way, I'm not here to win it, um, really. And so I figure I let those guys do the work and me just sit on and be a passenger. They got a bit frustrated by it, but I'm like, well, that's just part of the race. But for most people, I would say, look, um, that's the good thing about the first part of the bike is it is a draft racing, you know, so you can just get yourself into a nice group and and work along at a reasonable pace. I would say, um, I mean, we were probably up above the 40 kilometers an hour um but that's because you know we were moving but i would say for the average person you know in a good bunch you only need to be going sort of 30 35k an hour and, and you'll tick along nicely in a good group on that first bike mm-hmm. in the ironman swim and bike for show run for dough um every year mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember one of the great german athletes lothar leaders saying every year in hawaii we try and make it a bike race but every year it's a running race <laughs> in the yeah. coast to coast if you're trying to win it from your observations where's that race won or lost is there a particular leg is it the run is it the kayak yeah look i it's funny i think um I've actually tried to look at that a bit over the past. There were some of the guys like, you know, Sam Clark and Dougal Allen and Sam Anson, all those guys and what they've done. Um, I would say in the past, I felt like, I mean, it's one of these things, I think, you know, I don't know whether, I mean, I don't know Sam that well, but I'm assuming he probably put it down to the fact that he rode away from Ryan uh, a year ago, you know, and he finally learned that sort of bike leg and sort of controlling his um, pace judgment to really be able to finish strong. But I still think the race is open for someone like uh, what Hamish did this year, is fastest runner. The guy is 64 kgs, and I had the privilege of going over uh, goats past him and training two weeks ago, and he is just such a smooth, smooth runner. Um, and I think he capitalised on that. He knew that he could get a, a gap, and all he needed was 15, 20 minutes. And, um, and yet... Yes, you still need to be able to paddle strong, um, but you've got to remember the river is is moving, and this year it was sort of a bit tamer, slightly higher water flows. Um, and he also, to his own credit, he said he worked with a coach to, to improve it, but I think it's one of those things where you almost have to play your strength and play your card, but I think the guys this year, when I look at the field, everyone was fairly strong. I was surprised, actually, if I'm honest, how strong people were, both the run, the mm. kayak, and the bike. Because when you break the disciplines down, there effectively it's almost four hours of each one. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's hard to pick. Like again, it just yeah. I don't think you can. I think there's multiple ways of winning it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you've just got to be good, at, don't you, across all of the disciplines. Now, Marty, understand yeah. too. Um, you learnt to kayak and, and did a lot of work with former kayaking world champion, Olympic silver medalist Ben Philly. How was that experience? Uh, amazing. The guy, obviously, as you know, is a wealth of knowledge in his ability in a boat. And um, I had, again, I was very thankful that he was willing to 
um, A, I went on my first ever um, two-day certificate with him, and I, and this is dead serious, that I went down there in a, a Barracuda Enigma, which is a very basic sea-level kayak, and I couldn't stay upright. I had no understanding of how to read water, understand how to lift edges and railing and all of those things, and I came out more than I times than I would like to admit. I was a real rookie, but um, thankfully he just took me through the process of actually learning to understand what the boat is doing in each circumstance in the water. And then also was he was willing to push me, you know, like we went on some of these river trips and he just, you know, he got you doing things that you felt uncomfortable doing, um, including trying to paddle up rapids. That to a point where you, you know, end up having to go back down the rapids backwards and it's silly things like that, but it just puts you in uncomfortable positions to learn actually what the boat is doing. And then once you start to actually understand that, you actually, you know, you, you hear people talking about reading the water and then you understand what it's doing um, when it comes to an eddy, what it happens when a bluff wave comes in the wave trains and just where to position and put the boat. And once you start to understand those things, um, then it becomes a much simpler task. It's just managing that in teeth state. Mm. You're listening to SENZ. My guest is former professional triathlete Martin Van Barnfeld, who did the longest day yesterday in the Kathmandu Coast to Coast, finishing 11th overall. And, and so the kayak um, and the run, I mean, one of the other disciplines, I guess you've got to self-cater in terms of the nutrition side of it. Um, any issues there? Um, I mean, you, it's one thing, no, it's one thing think... learning how to eat and training. It's another thing when you're under duress in a race. Yeah, correct. And I think um, I've refined it a little bit. I think everyone has different scenarios of what they want to do. But as you talked about, like I think I tried to make an effort to be more liquid based on the run because it's the easiest part for, as you know, when you're inhaling lots of oxygen just to be able to drink something rather than eat. So it was purely liquid based on the run. Then I used that middle bike leg, which traditionally has been an opportunity to try and eat. And I did. I smashed a lot of food. I had a raspberry bun, a block of chocolate. Um, bacon egg pie I just consumed as much calories as I could and then the same thing on the kayak went back to a liquid diet now I know a lot of people won't be able to survive that time without having something solid so they can but I figured the less time I could take my hands off the paddle the better I would be um, so yeah so I just used that middle bike leg to to consume as much volume as food as I could which actually sustained me really well for that next mm. kayak leg yeah and with the you- one yeah, I was going to ask oh, you, Martin, I mean, these events here follow highs and lows. What was the lowest point in the race for you? Yeah, and I said that to a couple of friends last night. It is amazing how the body can actually go through so many highs and lows in that period of time. And I think that's one thing I always remember from, you know, talking to the other older guys, even people like Cameron Brown and so on, is you've just got to always keep one foot in front of the other and just keep moving along because they will go through bad patches. And for me, that was actually... At the top of goes past, um, I, as I said, I started cramping on the way down the hill and I got passed by most of the elite field at that stage because I think I went over the top in about fourth place. Um, and then I was starting to think to myself, jeepers, we're not even at halfway and I'm cramping here. This is going to be such a miserable long day. And it started playing on my mind mentally, but thankfully that's when you have a good support crew. Um, and I got in and, and Nick Berry said to me, um, he just said to me, Marty, it's right, you're going to be sitting in a boat for four hours using a different muscle group, your legs will come right, just let them relax in the boat. Um, and yeah, sure enough, they did. I was really thankful that, you know, the arms came right and for the final bite leg, I actually had my legs back again. I didn't have to worry about cramps. I was thankful. I see a lot of um, surf ski paddlers particularly coming off the water and they've been sitting on their sciatic nerve and they lose the feeling in one leg and when they've got to make the little run up the beach they stumble and struggle to do it. Did you have any issues like that in between transitions? 
Oh, yes, of course. Like, it's it's not an easy, the first, you know, jeepers, the first, um, you know, 50, 100 metres as you get out, and especially down, I'm not sure if you know it, but at um, Gorge Bridge at the bottom, it's a little scramble up this little goat track up to the, the car park where the bike transition is, and that's um, yeah, definitely not an easy um, 200 metres. But, yeah, you 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 fair to say the bum doesn't love the seat after four hours, but thankfully, um I was pretty good. Didn't get any. Um, the big one I think it can get people is, is um, and I've had that in the past where you get um, the back rubs on the seat. And you, so I think it's important to get yourself set up well in your boat and understand your seat mm. position um, and have one, you know, moulded to your butt maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, this one seems to be doing pretty well for me because my surskit at home actually um, causes me blisters versus my kayak one doesn't. So big mm. difference. And Martin, I mean, you, you were lucky enough, like me, to be around the likes of the Hamish Carters and the Bevan Doherty's and the Cameron Browns and some of the best um, triathletes in the world. Were you impressed by the likes of Hamish Elliott, Alex Hunt, and of course Ben Phillips, another one that comes from a triathlon background? I mean, how do these guys rank in terms of elite athletes? Oh, jeepers! You're going to you've got to be very careful here. Look, I think um, Hamish and Bevan look. They're pretty rare, aren't they, when you're talking about guys that have got Olympic medals um, and they are absolutely phenomenal world-class athletes. Now, um, Hamish Elliott, Mike Phillips and, and um, Alex Hunt, they're all very, very good. Um, they've chosen probably a different sport. Uh, it's, you know, look, yeah, uh, there's an Olympic athlete, an Olympic athlete, and that's not to be disrespectful yeah. at all. I've got to be yeah. very careful here. But no, no. yeah, they are those guys. Yeah. Are, you know, when you're at a gold medal at Olympics, it's it's pretty special. Um, yeah. But at the same time, those guys it's are a, it's a different got it, absolute yeah. engine. It's a different skill set, isn't it? To as you said, that to Billy sixty odd kilograms and run across Goat Pass. So Marty, uh, what's yeah. next, mate? What's next? You clearly are you back into retirement, mate. Back into. <laughs> My wife says, hopefully, because uh, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's been carrying. Hey, we we months, we, so. we we see swim every Saturday at Takapuna, mate. Seven o'clock, if you ever came here. Perfect. Oh, I'll I'll make sure I get back down. It'll be good to come out and roll yeah. the arms over. Um, look, I think um, uh, I would like to do a couple more events. I think the next ones for me that I would love to do is two other, couple other bucket list events. One would be um. UTMB or uh, Ultra at Montremblanc at some stage. Not saying I want to do that as a leap, but just love to try and get myself onto that field. I think saw what Dan Jones did there this year and just the history around that and looks like a just an incredible event to be participating. So some sort of 100K Ultra is on the bucket list. Um, and then the last one would be I'd love to do, and it's a pity that it got cancelled this year, you know, bitterly disappointed as something like a God zone. Um, I'd love to do a multi-day event just, at, just to sort of see what it's like to be a bit, um, bit weird maybe in the head but just love to that sleep deprivation concept just being able to go out and try myself over you know five to seven days and just really you know ask questions of yourself and just see where you you know mm. that can you keep your mind in control when it's not meant to be <laughs> well marty congratulations mate um outstanding achievement and um yeah look it didn't surprise me when i saw your result and sort of broke down your splits and stuff so look well done thank you for joining us on the program i know you've got a flight um leaving at three o'clock i just just encourage you though my good man do get yourself to burger field do pick up the iron rebel burger big guy Thank you. I will be. <laughs> Sounds you made me hungry. So yeah. There you go. There you go, Marty, Marty Van Barnfeld, former professional triathlete, taking part yesterday in the Coast to Coast. Hamish Elliott winning in a time of ten forty eight fifty three.